Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to the vineyardchurch.us. today we're gonna be needing that podium now who do you work for huh warden you work for us what gives man you got a podium oh wait a minute I always thought revolution was a weird name for a student no no nope stay down I could do this all day and in case you're curious yes this is America's shield That was for those of you that's high in game. Thanks, man. Give props to Samuel. That was a real hit. Thank you for taking that, all three services. <laughs> oh, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. And uh, aren't these Marvel movies fun? I think they're fun. Maybe you haven't seen them. But if you haven't, you might be in the minority. Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is right now the most profitable movie franchise in history by a factor of two to one on the runner-up, which is, by the way, Star Wars. So, generated twice as much money as the Star Wars movies. These movies are insanely popular. Now, when I see something like this, a cultural phenomenon like this, the question I'm asking myself is this. How come these are capturing people's heart? Because I I believe as as human beings, we're, we're sort of like wired to sniff out truth. We find it. So what truth are the Marvel movies telling us? Well, I think it's beautifully captured in what's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Even though it's a a short one, a small one, you might have just read it and zipped right on by. But Paul writes something fascinating in 1 Corinthians 3. Now he's writing to a church that's like really divided. They've got all kinds of factions and, and stuff like that. And he writes this, short little verse. He says, for when one says, I follow Paul... And another, I follow Apollos, talking about these factions, are you not being merely human? What's what's incredible to me is Paul's logic is basically this. You're not merely human. You should not be living like you're merely human. So when you do this, you're living like you're merely human. Why are you doing that? I mean, talk about a confrontational biblical truth. You are not a mere human being. I think what these Marvel movies are showing us is they're depicting to us these people that are beyond human, and yet they retain their humanity and their struggle nonetheless. And you see, that's what you and me actually are in Christ. You know, I think if anything, many of us We actually see ourselves as less 
than human. I don't have that amazing gifting. I don't have that person's wonderful track record. I don't have their resources, their calling, their whatever. And we see ourselves as less than human where the scriptures actually say we're more. The question, that just starts prompting all of these questions. What, is, what does it mean to be more than human? How am I supposed to see myself? How am I supposed to live? All of these questions come out of this. And this is exactly what we're exploring in this series, Marvelous, Empowered by Grace. What does it mean to be more than a human? Today, we're going to have Captain America illustrate some truths for us as we explore grace for the fight. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that all of this comes from you. Like, we don't have to shoulder any of this on our own. It's your grace that empowers us. And God, as we continue through today, we just welcome that grace right now, in this place, in this time, into our lives. Would your marvelous grace be present, empowering us today, filling, Lord, this time as we explore your word, filling the time as we lift you up in praise, filling the time as we minister to one another and as we uh, connect and relate and all the different things that we do when we gather together as your body. Lord, take it, fill it. It's all a vessel for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Captain America is sometimes called the first Avenger. And that's because his journey begins before the other Marvel superheroes. Captain America's journey begins actually in 1942. With the backdrop of World War II, we meet a young man named Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers uh, wants to make his contribution to the war effort. Indeed, he's seeing his friends uh, ship overseas. But Steve has a problem. See, Steve weighs 90 pounds. Steve is riddled with health problems. And so even though he attempts to enlist repeatedly, he gets rejected over and over. Now, on the fifth time, Steve serendipitously runs into a scientist who's developing a serum to make someone into a super soldier. And the scientist is looking for who's the right person to entrust this great power to. After some discussion, the scientist thinks, oh, this, this might be it. And Steve gets recruited to join this, this training program with a bunch of other soldiers. He mostly gets mocked and ridiculed and, and made fun of on the way through. But what stands out in the end is his heart. This guy has a heart of gold. The scientist decides, hmm, Steve's the guy. And they proceed with the procedure. He goes into this kind of capsule, and it's a very, like, you know, comic book movie kind of thing. You know, there's a glowing light, and he's screaming and all of this. But he goes into this capsule, and he gets injected with this super serum. And when he goes in, a frail 90-pound guy, he comes out chiseled like a mountain of a man. Somehow he grew like a foot in there. He gains like 75 pounds of pure muscle. I mean, the guy is cut and he's ripped. And he's not just in excellent physical condition. No, he's stronger than you could be. He can run faster. He can jump higher. He's, he's like the epitome and beyond of physical condition. But right as he comes out of this capsule, things take a weird uh, turn of events. 
the, the research laboratory gets bombed. The scientist who's developed the serum gets killed, and the super soldier program is shut down. The military decides, you know what, we don't really trust this Steve Rogers guy, even though he is a super soldier, and so they choose not to enlist him. And what winds up happening is a senator recruits him and says, hey, I can put your powers to good work. Let's sell some war bonds together. So they get him an outfit. He gets a, joins a part of a kind of song and dance show, and he goes state to state selling war bonds. Now, Steve's glad to be able to make a contribution, but even so, he's feeling unsatisfied. And all of this takes a turn when Steve takes his first trip overseas. He's there to do a trip to encourage the soldiers. Only, it doesn't go the way he thought it would, and then he runs into an old friend from the super soldier program who still has faith. Let's watch. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? Okay. Uh, I need a volunteer. I already volunteered. How do you think I got here? <laughs> Bring back the girls! I think they only know the one song, but, um... Let me, I'll, I'll see what I can do. You do that, sweetheart. Nice boots, Tinkerbell. Come on, guys. We're all on the same team here. Hey, Captain, sign this. I'm not here at all. That was quite a performance. Yeah, uh, I had to improvise a little bit. Crowds I'm used to are usually more, uh, 12. And I understand you're America's new hope. Bond sales take a 10% bump in every state I visit. Is that Senator Brandt I hear? At least he's got me doing this. Phillips would have had me stuck in a lab. And these are your only two options. A lab rat or a dancing monkey. You were meant for more than this, you know. What? You know, for the longest time I dreamed about coming overseas and being on the front lines, serving my country. Finally got everything I wanted. And I'm wearing tights. Steve Rogers has been given a hero's body. He's been given a costume. He's been dubbed Captain America. But Steve's problem is that he still sees himself as the 90-pound weakling. He's still taking the options that life hands him. 
He's not stepping up and stepping in to a hero identity. And so even though he's been made into a superhero, he's not acting like one. Now, this begins to change when he meets his friend Peggy. And Peggy challenges him. You were made for more than this, you know? That chisels a, a bit of a hole in his thinking. Wait a minute, maybe, maybe I am made for more than this. And what happens, just at the close of that clip, you see there's the ambulance that pulls up and they get someone out on a stretcher. Well, the two of them go over there and they begin to ask some questions and what they discover is that he's a part of the troop that Steve's best friend had just joined. And their troop had just gotten in a battle and they were captured and they're 30 miles behind enemy lines. Steve goes, oh man, what are we gonna do? So they go and they talk to the general and the general says, yeah, I've got a plan, it's called win the war. We're not gonna go after them, we'd take more casualties than we'd bring back home. And Steve decides, I can't do that. He breaks all the rules. He illegally parachutes by himself, 30 miles behind enemy lines, and infiltrates the enemy prison, busts it up, and begins to bring the soldiers home. Steve Rogers steps into an identity of Captain America. Just a couple of days after that clip, we see him returning home with the soldiers he's rescued. Let's watch. <laughs> Some of these men need medical attention. I'd like to surrender myself for disciplinary action. That won't be necessary. Yes, sir. Faith, huh? You're late. Couldn't call my ride. Hey! Let's hear it for Captain America! Same guy, same crowd. The beginning of the week, they're calling him names throwing fruit at him. The end of the week, let's hear it for Captain America. What changed? Steve Rogers stepped in to a hero identity, and he began to act like the hero that he was made to be. Now, I can't help but feel like there's some parallels for our spiritual journey. 
Because like Steve, each of us were born not able to do what we're called to do. In the book of Ephesians, it says it this way, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, spiritually, we're born not even as a 90-pound weakling, we're born dead. Even when we're dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Just like uh, Steve Rogers goes into a capsule and he gets injected with a serum, we go into a capsule of the tomb and we get injected with Jesus Christ himself. He joins us in our death and brings us into his life. And we come out of that tomb as a spiritual superhero. We're spiritually cut. We're ripped. We're seated in heavenly places. You can't get more spiritual authority than that. But just like Steve, we can be made into a spiritual superhero and not yet see ourselves as a spiritual superhero. And what happens then? We keep living the same way that we've always lived. We keep taking the options that life hands to us when in reality, we're called to be in the fight. This world lives in a war. Not, not a physical war like World War II, but a spiritual war. And the battle lines run right through each and every one of our lives as God and his forces are advancing against Satan and the forces of evil. And you and I have been called to that fight. We've been called to step up to the front lines and to start to proclaim the gospel to people who need to hear it to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to care for the poor, and on and on and on. That's what we've been called to. But until we see ourselves in our spiritual superhero identity, we'll probably stay back. Later in the passage, in Ephesians 2.10, says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we would do something which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. In fact, grace has not only made us a spiritual superhero, it's even given us spiritual superpowers. In, in uh, 1 Peter 4, it says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Grace comes to us and gives us an ability, a power that transcends the natural. The Bible would call that a gift. But did you catch what it said about that? Who's the gift for? Not for you. See, the superpower is given to you, but it's for everybody else. Use it to serve one another. I feel like where Jesus would come to us today, and where his grace would empower some of us is a call to the fight. Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, you know, you're, you're made for more than this. He's calling us up into our spiritual superhero identity and it confronts 
all the lies we tell about ourselves, all the ways we see ourselves as less than human. Oh, I'm not educated enough to do that. I don't have enough resources to do that. I don't, I don't have the right gifts. I don't have the right platform. Oh, I'm single. Oh, I'm divorced. Oh, whatever. We have a million ways that we see ourselves as less than human. And Jesus comes to us. He says, you're more than human and you were made for more than this. Come to the front lines. Come to the fight. His grace calls us into the fight. Now you might think, well, you know, once we get in the action... Life's going to be like hunky-dory, right? It's going to be all fun all the time. We're not going to have any problems anymore. We're not going to have any challenges. Turns out that's less than true. (laughs) I wish I could tell you what that's about or that that's what it's like, but it's not. If anything, your life is probably going to get more complicated, and you might feel more tension. This Christianity thing, just let me me clarify this because this is a, a lie that I see so many people caught up in. Christianity is not about your comfort. Okay? You are going to be perfectly comfortable for all eternity. You've got plenty of time that you're going to be able to be comfortable. But the focus is not on our comfort now. The focus is on the adventure. The focus is on running to the battle. That's our focus now. And we can focus on the comfort later when we get there. Okay? And so that battle puts us in a place of tension at times. Now, again, Captain America illustrates this for us amazingly. So let's pick up with his story. Right after he's rescued the troop of soldiers, Cap, or Steve Rogers, or Captain America, whatever you want to call him, he spends the rest of that first Captain America movie helping the Allies win World War II. There's this kind of fictional um, uh, German science division that's trying to create superpowers. And of course, they wind up getting a fight, all of that. And Cap beats them. But, the, but it ends like this. He's on this plane that's on autopilot. And it's got weapons of mass destruction targeted for all these American cities. New York, Chicago, Atlanta, and so on. And Cap's the only one on the plane, and he can't disengage the autopilot, and he realizes there's one way that this thing can go down. And so he makes the ultimate hero sacrifice play. He realizes, if I bury this plane and take it down with me, I'll save all my friends and family back home. And so he does that. He buries the plane, and it's a super touching moment. Honestly, still can't watch it without crying, and crashes the plane into the Arctic. Saves America. Amazing, right? And it looks like this is the end of Cap. But of course, you know, Marvel's a little more creative than that. And so it turns out, 70 years later, he's just been frozen this whole time. They, they thaw him out, and lo and behold, he's lost none of his physical capabilities. He's still amazing. He's going to jump right back in, right? Well, he does. But you see, he does in attention that's going to follow him through the rest of all the Marvel movies. You see, Cap is now a man out of time. He's a man who belongs in 1942, living in 2012. And he wrestles with this tension of living in a world he no longer fits in. And the question 
that we find ourselves asking through the rest of the movies is this. Is the world going to change Cap? Or is Cap going to change the world? Because that tension there has to get resolved somehow. Let's watch Cap processing some of this tension at the very beginning of the first Avengers movie. still alive. Slept for 70 years, sir. I think I've had my fill. Then you should be out celebrating seeing the world. I went under. The world was at war. I wake up, they say we won. They didn't say what we lost. We've made some mistakes along the way, some very recently. You here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. I wake up, they say we won the war, but they didn't say what we lost. That's a man who doesn't belong in the world he lives in. And like Cap, when we step into our spiritual superhero identity, we're gonna find that same tension in our lives. We're going to find that actually we're men and women out of time. We don't belong here because where we fit is eternity. We're going to be like Hebrews 11 calls people of faith, strangers and exiles on this planet, in it but not of it. That's a tension that we're going to wrestle with. And can I tell you, we're going to wrestle with it for the rest of our days. It's not a tension that you solve. It's a tension you live in. How do we, how do we handle that? What, is it, what does it look like to, to live in a world that we don't belong to? Well, once again, I think we can learn a little bit from Cap. Captain America has a super shield. Cap's shield is made of a material called vibranium, which as a physicist, I feel obligated to let you know is fictional. <laughs> and... <laughs> Vibranium has this wonderful quality that it absorbs all vibrations. And so someone can, you know, shoot a gun at Cap point blank, and as long as he's got his shield up, bang, it's going to hit the shield, and he's not going to feel anything on the other side. See, Cap's shield allows him to be strong and stable. Doesn't matter what's happening on the world out here, I'm grounded in my world. And like Cap, we've been given a shield to protect us. Only our shield's not made of vibranium. Our shield's made of faith. Let's see if I can get this back on here. 
and then we'll read Ephesians 6, more or less, right? Looks a little silly for the cameras, sorry. Paul is exhorting believers, addressing the tension that we live in. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. When the world is pushing on you, this armor will protect you. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Our shield, the shield of faith, is what protects us, is what keeps us sound in this world that will push against us sometimes. And that shield, like cap shield, can absorb every fiery dart. It doesn't matter where it gets fired at you. You can be strong and stable when you're on the other side. But you see, what can happen is we can hear that, and we go, oh, okay, faith, that's what I need. And then we start trying to make it. We go, oh, got to get faith, got to get faith, got to get faith. Mm, think good thoughts, think good thoughts, think good thoughts. What's that, what's that verse I got to read again? What's that verse again? Okay, yeah, yeah, And we're trying to summon up faith. We're trying to create faith. We're trying to build our own shield. And we forget that there is one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And his name is Jesus Christ. See, even our faith, even our shield that protects us is a gift from Jesus. And so when you, when you hit these places in your life where you've got a, a, a crack in the shield and one of those fiery darts comes past the shield and it hits you, ugh, it happens to all of us. Happened to me two days ago, three days ago. I'm just going through my day and this thing sideswipes me, bang, it takes me out for like 36 hours. Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It is the journey of faith for us all. And what do I do? I can, oh, summon up faith, summon up faith, summon up faith. Or I can say, wow, Jesus, I need you to form faith for me there. We just found a chink in my shield. I need you to come. I need your grace to empower faith to be formed in this area of my life. I can't do it myself. I need you to do it. You see, grace calls us not just to the fight, but grace empowers us to stay in the fight. It's grace that allows us to step into our superhero identity, and it's grace that sustains us at the front lines. It's both. It's grace at the beginning and grace all the way through. As John says, from Jesus' fullness, we've received grace upon grace. So the question I have for us today is this. Where do you need to be empowered by grace today? Where is God's grace coming to you today? Is, is he upgrading your superhero identity, breaking off those labels and calling you into the fight in a new way? Or is this grace coming, empowering you to stay in the fight, to hang in there, because the front lines are tough, but God's grace is sufficient. It really is. Here's your superhero homework for the day. Spend five minutes thinking about that question. Just five minutes, not so long. And have a conversation with God about it. Because here's the thing. We get grace because we ask for it. You have not because you ask not. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
I think sometimes we, we don't identify like, where do I need grace? And then just ask. We make it really complicated. We go in all kinds of different directions when really what we need to do is we need to say, Jesus, that fiery dart is stinging. I need your grace. Send your grace to me, God. Where do you need his grace? And simply ask. One of Cap's favorite lines, I said it at the beginning. I can do this all day. I think that's the Father's heart for us as well. That we can do this all day. That we can stay at the front lines, partnering with the Holy Spirit, setting the captives free. Because that's how we change the world with Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that it's your marvelous grace that empowers this whole thing. I thank you that your grace calls us into the fight and your grace sustains us in the fight. And Lord, each and every one of us, we're in a different place in our life right now, but the one thing I know is that we all need your grace somewhere. Lord, would your grace come to us? We just posture ourselves right now. We say, Lord, we need it. We look to you for grace. Would your marvelous grace come and empower us, God? Empower us. We can't do this without you. We don't want to try. We just want to do it with you. Send your grace to us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.